Hello everyone and welcome, welcome, welcome to this here return of the Pixelated Sausage Podcasting, which I'm calling the Pixelated Sausage Show. Hey there, there's a YouTube version. If you're watching that, you can see my dumb face. Hi, hi. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I've been wanting to get back to just regular podcasting because I missed the whole conversational aspect about it being able to talk about things without throwing a video attached to it, and just having more of a free-flowing thing that I can talk about a whole bunch of stuff, including anime and all that jazz. So we're going to see how this goes. I want to have the YouTube version as well because, you know, it's nice to have something on YouTube as well, give people that option. And on the YouTubes, if you do choose to consume this here show that way, you will get chapters. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put in little timestamps for everything. So you can be able to like, click, 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 click. And uh, pick what you want to hear about and what you don't want to hear about. If you've heard of something and you're like, oh, they're talking about this game? They're talking about this anime? They're talking about this movie? I can just jump to that? Real easy? Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. And I, I went back and forth about doing some fancy setups for the YouTube video. But I settled on, instead of, you know going real real easy and simple or real real complex i got into the middle ground and you're just seeing me in my chatting cam when i do streams and all that jazz so you're still seeing video and it's of me talking but uh no gameplay and not just a static image because i figured people probably wouldn't like that but um yeah well, let's do this let us just get into it i am also looking at this as a way of practicing some of the ways I want to talk about games moving forward and whatnot and how I want to talk about them because what I don't want to do is fall into the trap that I tend to when I don't want to which is to just be a back-of-the-box description of a game to be a presser of uh, games details and all that jazz just give you a bullet point list of how the game plays mechanically I don't, I don't want to be a manual telling you what the controls are i don't want to be a back of the box which is just telling you the base way of the game and it works and whatnot i just want to tell you how i feel while playing it what stood out to me maybe there's a weird gameplay mechanic that just really either grabbed me or bothered me and that's why i couldn't get into a game or why i could get into a game i want to do stuff like that so we're gonna just jump into it this is probably gonna be a meaty show just in terms of there's gonna be a lot of stuff to talk about i'm gonna i'm gonna get through them real fast because there's just so much and i can't possibly and i i don't want to spend too much time i don't want to linger on games i don't want to ramble on and just talk in circles where i'm just saying the same thing over and over and over again i want to give you my feelings and then move on so we're gonna see how this goes hopefully it works well Hopefully who people, who people, <laughs> hopefully people who do decide to consume it on the YouTubes like this general setup and aren't wanting more, aren't annoyed that I'm not looking directly at the camera because I don't want to do that. It makes me feel uncomfortable, incredibly uncomfortable. So I'm not doing that. I hope this just general setup uh, works for people. Yeah. So uh, let us get to it, starting with arcade spirits the new challengers so arcade spirits the new challengers is a visual novel it is the sequel to arcade spirits 
which I don't think had a subtitler or anything like that. And I played a fair amount of that visual novel. I didn't finish it, but it was a visual novel I enjoyed when it came out more so than a lot because thematically you were starting your own arcade. You weren't starting your own arcade. That's that's incorrect. You were getting hired onto one, and I think maybe you became the manager real quickly. But you were managing an arcade, so you had to make choices in that sense while also interacting with the people who worked there, whether they be the... What do you call them, mechanics? The people, not, you wouldn't call them mechanics, the, the tool person, the, the fixer-upper, the person who would work on machines and fix them. I, I feel like mechanics are vehicle only, but I don't know. But I don't know. But also the people buying the machines, people working at the arcade and all that jazz. And I didn't mind it. I, I thought the writing was decent. It is definitely a very hipster cool look at me i mean you just need to look at the characters and you're like oh all right you know these people are wearing beanies and scarves indoors in summer i know who these people are if you are from portland or seattle you're like <laughs> these are my people you're from austin oh my god my people but uh i remember liking that game quite a bit and i think the new challengers hits a lot of the same points and vibes and is overall well written but why it didn't grab me in the way the first game did is because instead of working on your own arcade and setting all that up you are now a young and up-and-coming esport hopeful you're a gamer who wants to become an esport star and that is something i can't relate to or, or don't want to relate to i have no interest in Becoming an esports star personally and the thought of it alone just does nothing for me. So because of that, that lack of ability for me to really care about the story, about you, your character and your goals and all that, I just lost interest pretty quickly. And so I think if that is something you can't get attached to, something you can't vibe with becoming an esports star then maybe the new challenges will not be your jam uh, either but if that sounds cool that sounds like a good time check it out unless you're very turned off by the whole hip cool young people thing but you're probably not i'm just an old fogey an old 36 year old user then we have Project Warlock 2, which is a retro shooter that I I apparently own the first game on Xbox, and I've never played it, but I played this one on PC because it's still in early access, and what you have there right now is a decent amount of content. It might be like six levels or something, and... A good selection of weapons. A uh, good feeling shotgun. It's been a while since I played this, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it right now. All I, all I remember mainly is that I really, really liked it. I thought I thought it was, of all the retro shooters I've played in the past year or so, I think it is by far the most accessible. In that, it, it, the thing about it, too, is that it only had two difficulties. And I think the two difficulties were baby mode or 
we're gonna fucking destroy you mode. So it wasn't really a middle ground. I played it on the baby mode because I was streaming it and I didn't want to overly challenge myself while also engaging with chat. I wanted to be able to engage with chat and not feel like I had to pay super close attention to the game. But it is very accessible in the sense that I think anyone could jump into it on the, the baby mode, of course, and have a good time with it. It's not super challenging. There's a good amount of aim assist, I think. It, it feels really good on controller. I was playing with the controller because mouse and keyboard is something I can't really jive with anymore in my old age. It starts to hurt my hands after an hour at that. And Project Warlock 2 felt really, really good on controller. It felt at home on controller. And the the shotgun, now I remember what the deal with the shotgun is. You, over the course of playing through the campaign, uh, what is currently there in the early access stages, you will come across these upgrade stations. And the way they work, I believe, is that you aren't buying currency. You don't, you don't have currency. I, I think you are collecting coins, but that has nothing to do with that, that might only be in uh, some other games like Turbo over here where you have the coins. But I believe the way the upgrade stations works is that you come across one and then you just have a free upgrade. That station, you use that upgrade, and then that station is used up. And you will have basically two different paths you can take with a gun and its upgrades. You have a shotgun, of course. You must have had an assault rifle type of thing. A... Rocket launcher? Yeah, yeah, it's something like I think, I think as you upgrade these things, they change into rocket launchers or whatever. But I focused on the shotgun and some other thing. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that the game has a fucking incredible shotgun. And why it's incredible is that you can turn the shotgun into an automatic shotgun. And when you do that, you don't have to reload. And when you don't have to reload, that shotgun, you'll go through ammo quickly. But that shotgun will just fucking destroy the enemies. It will destroy bosses. It will destroy everyone. It is borderline ridiculous when you do that. But it's got a, a good look to it. Good uh, vibe with the whole you know Duke Nukem and that type of feel. That era. That classic shooter vibe. That's why it's a retro shooter. Not a classic shooter. It's a retro shooter. It's inspired by them classic games. But I'm going to stop talking about it because I clearly am so far removed from it that any specifics are just fucking lost for me. I know that in the final area, I think it was the final area, I, I did not finish it. I got to a point where I, I played uh, in like a hell type space and there was a big bad boss and I'm like, this must be the end of the early access content. And it wasn't. And I was like, all right, I've played this for two, three hours. I'm good for now. But there were a bunch of spiders. I wasn't happy about that. And Fire Girl is a roguelite where you play a fire girl in a world where fire has become sentient and there's a fire lord and you need to stop it from destroying the world. And there's mystery and people in cahoots. The mayor, the fire chief. There's an FBI agent and... It's all crazy. There's a dude in a hoodie. A dude in a hoodie who likes to crouch down and be all mysterious. And the story is kind of ridiculous. 
and it's doled out in weird ways. There's a lot of RNG all over the place in this game in that the way the story is delivered is randomly at times, maybe after you, after an hour of play, you find a person, you save them while doing a mission, and then you bring them back to your firehouse, and now suddenly they are, they are part of your firehouse, allowing you to upgrade your character, and then the story progresses. Or you find some fire tomes, which you'll need to collect all of them in order to defeat the Fire Lord, and... I really, really like the game, but it is incredibly repetitive. There are only four environments that you are able to go on missions in, which is random when you start a mission. And these are an apartment complex, complex, an apartment complex, a train, a forest, and a skyscraper, office building, whatnot. That's called something very very close to Nakatomo Plaza I think which is in line with uh, the, the Die Hard Plaza from the first movie and what you do when you go on these missions is save a certain number of people you get a little icon in your UI that tells you how many people you need to save before you can leave the area and successfully clear the mission you'll come across exits as you're progressing through these randomly generated environments uh, that you can choose to leave through or not. If you leave early before you've saved everyone, then you'll fail the mission and you get some money, but not a lot. You need to you need to save everyone in order to get most bang for your buck. And then when you complete a mission, you're back at your firehouse, and then you can use the money you've obtained to upgrade your character. Whether that is buying armor so that they can withstand more damage, hearts so that they again can withstand more damage, increasing the power of your fire hose, how much water you can carry on your person at one time, giving you the ability to regenerate water slowly through the precipitation in the air, the moisture in the air. You will be able to improve the number of fans you get from successfully saving people because there's a fan system and that's how you gain money basically. It's the multiplayer system. It's a little weird to be getting fans for being a fire worker and all that. But the game really is something that fans of grinding could potentially really, really enjoy. It's a great podcast game. It looks fantastic. It has beautiful pixel art. It's a 2.5D type of setup with modern lighting. So it's very much so in the same vein, lighting-wise and stylistically, to something like Project Octopath, Octopath Traveler. There's no more project in the in the title of that game. And it looks fantastic. That's that's going to be the immediate thing that catches everyone's eye. I mean, of course, the visuals are going to catch your eye. But when you look up the game, you're not going to watch a gameplay trailer and say, Oh, my God, look at this gameplay. You're going to be, Oh, my God, look at these visuals. It looks fantastic. But the gameplay itself, it feels pretty good. I think mechanically it feels great. It's just it's super repetitive. And your mileage will vary on, on whether or not it annoys you and in its repetitive ways or not because you're just going through these missions and you're saving people mechanically you have your hose which you can use to put out fires or rocket jump type of throw and propel yourself upwards but of course your your water propelling yourself upwards by the, the power of the pressure of your hose 
And you have an axe, which you use to destroy rubble and doors. Uh, with enough upgrades, you'll be able to kill fires with it as well. And you can save animals in it as well, which improve or increase your fandom. But do not count towards the people you have to rescue for a mission. And it's just, it's really, really relaxing. I had a lot of fun with it in spite and because of its repetitive nature. Because it just is the same shit over and over and over again. The game took me maybe four-ish hours to complete story-wise. And then I played a few more hours to get all the achievements in it. You don't even have to upgrade everything to get all the achievements. You just have to unlock all the medals, I think. And collect all the versions of the axe. And whatnot. But uh, I like Fire Girl. I think it's like 16 bucks or so. So, Depending on if you're a grindy type of person. I think that's the key thing. If you like the grind... Then give Fire Girl your time, baby. <laughs> Red Out 2 put out a, a, an episode of First just recently for this. It's a futuristic racer like Wipeout and F-Zero and so many others. There have been plenty of smaller indie futuristic racers over the last five or so years. I think there's one called like Antigrav and I don't know. There are just there's so, so many. And... Red Out 2 is pretty alright. It looks good. It's got a lot of color. And the sense of speed is incredible. However, it's very mechanically driven. It's not overly complex. But when you are turning, you have your regular turning and also strafing. And you have to change or, or, or chick, chick, pick between the two that you want to do. Or use both at the same time to get around corners and not look like a dumbass who's just running into the sides like a, a bumper car driver which is how I looked and also when going uphill and downhill you have to pitch which is where you're like leaning forward or backward and this improves your speed and allows you to really beat the competition when pitching specifically especially because with the, the turning you'll just look like a bumper car you'll keep hitting the sides and you'll not feel great about yourself. You'd be like, I am a piece of shit who can't even fucking turn this gosh darn futuristic hover car vehicle thing. But with pitching, if you pitch for too long, I think maybe only when pitching downward, you can easily fall off the track. And that's not fun. So the thing about Reddit 2 is that it is very mechanically driven. It is very technical compared to some other futuristic racers out there. And because of that, I don't think it's the best for your more casual racing fan, like myself and potentially you. There are a fair amount of assisted controls and lower difficulties that can make it a bit easier. But even with the recommended stuff that they set up for me, and they put me on like a baby mode type of difficulty, I was still having problems pretty quickly trying to be competitive with the AI. So I don't think it is a great game for your more casual person. And you may want to learn the systems, but I 
with my hour and a half or so with the game, I wasn't drawn to want to get better at the game. The music was really lacking. If the music was popping off, baby, I probably would have been more likely to want to have given it more of my time. But no. And the visuals, as nice as they are, as I said in the episode first, when you're moving as fast as you often are, it's not, it doesn't matter. You're not going to see shit. Uh, but yeah. Then we have Row 96, which is a, an adventure game, I guess you'd call it. Story adventure game, where you are taking on the role of a handful of teens who are trying to reach the border of this fictionalized version of, I guess, I guess like the U.S., the U.S. and Canada, probably. And the government is in a state of complete control. And there's especially issues with teens wanting to leave. And, and if you're caught, you're sent to these detention center type places where they just force you to work or shit like that. I, I didn't really get all that caught up in the main story, but I did enjoy the more personalized stories of my individual playthroughs that last maybe not even an hour, maybe probably between a half hour and an hour, potentially maybe they can go a little long, but I don't even think each one, I, I did beat the game. And the thing about it is that what you're doing is going on these road trips and trying to reach the border and cross it successfully. And you you may cross the success, success successfully, or you may die while trying. You may have gained and saved up enough money so that you can make it really easy when you get to the border, or maybe you have no money and you have to cross it the more gorilla way. And what you're doing on each of these playthroughs is coming across various people who will give you a ride. Maybe you'll take the bus at times. Maybe you'll take a taxi. Maybe you'll walk certain uh, sections. And you'll keep meeting the same people. And you'll learn more about them with each playthrough. And I think the number of teens you could have varies between like six and nine or so that I've read. I had, I think, six or seven in mine. And the, the weird thing about the game is that the timeline doesn't exactly make sense to me because it's always moving forward. You're not replaying the same section over and over and over again from different perspectives, from different angles, from different eyes and viewpoints. You are, after completing your first playthrough and getting to the border successfully or not, you then take the role of another teen at that point in time, not back at the point of time of the initial playthrough, so everything is moving forward and what has happened in the past that that that's happened and i don't think the game does a good job of making that feel that way it feels more like you are replaying the same section and just getting it from different angles but that's not how it is and there are times where i am doing something with a new teen and it is playing out like how I remember something playing out 
that I saw from a different angle. And it becomes confusing. And I didn't love that aspect about it because it just didn't make sense to me exactly. But I do think the whole concept of it and conceit is pretty interesting. And you will meet someone for the first time, probably get a, an idea or you'll, you'll think one way of them, but as you learn more about them, you'll think differently. And I think stuff like that is pretty cool. Uh, but what really kills the game is the illusion of choice. There are plenty of instances where you'll maybe want to do something and you just can't. You have to do something. Your, your hand is forced too often in the game to do something or interact with something. And the game will just sit there and won't let you not do this or that. You can try your best to force some stuff and in some cases it may work if you're just being a real dick like i did not want to help this reporter when she needed a cameraman but i couldn't not do it i just they wouldn't let me and i eventually was able to try or not try i was able to get a little out of it just by whenever she would talk and say action you know film me i would just fucking put the camera everywhere else i just fucking move it everywhere but on her and she would fucking keep calling me out and i would be like okay just eventually come on just shut the just shut up and let me move on i don't want to fucking film you or help you because i don't like you and eventually worked out but the fact that i couldn't just be like no i don't want to i don't want to do this it was annoying but there were plenty of instances like that big and small where you may want to make a choice or maybe you don't want to make a choice maybe you, you just don't want to have to do anything or, or be involved with a certain thing but you're forced to you have to in order for the game to progress because it, it makes you think you have a lot of choice but in actuality you don't have as much as you think you do and that's a problem with all these types of, i mean that's just inherent with these games that do give you any choice. If they also want to give you a defined story, if they want to if they want to give you a story that was written and well thought out and very specific in its intentions and stuff like that, they're going to have to force your hand in many instances because if they give you full freedom all their work could be for naught because you could just choose to ignore all of it. And that is something that I think plenty of writers and developers, they don't want to, they don't want to put that option in there. So you need something that has a very, 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 very loose story with very small moments or not small moments, but just here's your, your main big moments and your ending and then how you get there. You need games like the, the, Number one example I would call to probably is State of Decay, the first one. I I, I didn't play the, the second one all that much because it was a fucking mess when it launched and I never went back. But in State of Decay, you basically have sort of like a timeline or you have an amount of time to get to the fucking end. And the end is always going to be the same and all that. But how you get there, your journey, your, your story, 
that is happening from point A to point B is 100 and completely your own. And it's super organic because when a character dies, they just die. And there isn't a lot of specific details. You're not going to get a lot of written story and all that. The story that you end up having with the game is your own and what you make up in your head and what you give to these characters. And I think for games that want to give you a lot of choice, that's how you have to do it. You have to just say, well, we're going to craft this world, this space, this base story, and then throw you into it. Eventually, you have to get to this ending, but how you get there, it's all, it's all up to you. And the story is just going to be what you make up in your head. We're not going to write it out for you. You just you have at it. And depending on who you are, you know, that, that's going to work for you or not. But uh, yeah. Then we have Source of Madness, which is a side-scrolling action platformer roguelite as well, where you're in a very medieval of crafting world with monsters that all move like they're being controlled in a co-op-ish game. That, that is the, the draw of the game. It's the visuals and the fucking weird look of the creatures and the way they move. It's very, very funky. It's very, very disgusting in ways and incredibly bloody. I... I appreciate the visual stylings of the game and the way the characters, the creatures, that is, move. It, it all feels very fluid and more organic than in a lot of things. But the combat is just an absolute mess. And when multiple enemies are attacking you at once, just just look at, I think the, the stream archive is available, or you can just watch the trailer. It just becomes an absolute mess that is hard to read and, and see and understand what the fuck is going on on the screen. You're just going to be mashing buttons and shit's going to be happening. Limbs are going to be flying off because with the bigger creatures, especially when you attack a, a point on them enough, the limb will just detach and there'll be blood all over the place. You'll start to lose track of your character because of the way the physics and everything is built into the system and geometry. You will get caught up between enemies because you can't... You, I think you can dash through them, but it's often unsuccessful, or I found it to be often unsuccessful, so I would just get into these blobs where I'm attacking the enemy, and I'm attacking them, and I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but I'm dashing as much as I can, as much as the cooldown will let me, while attacking them with my two attacks, and I'm just... I'm doing all right in certain sections... I, I sometimes will get destroyed by a small enemy, but then I'll destroy a big fat boss, and it just it's visually kind of interesting to look at for a little bit, but playing it when shit is happening on screen, it just becomes way more of a mess than something that is enjoyable to control. Because it's just there's just it's just a fucking mess. It's just a mess. The game is just a mess. Source of madness, more like source of messiness. Ah, <laughs> got him. Oh, fuck. But, uh, yeah. It's also just the stylings of it in general make the UI unpleasant to look at because it's just very busy in terms of 
the the detail of the menus and everything and I, I just like give me give me clean give me some clean menus give me something a bit more stylistic and simple like a rogue legacy i need to play a rogue legacy too the source of madness is i think if you can find a way to click with the combat and the messiness of it all there's a fucking incredibly deep skill tree that you'll be able to unlock more and more of as you play more and unlock or collect blood, which you use to unlock additional classes that you can start as. The ability to pick between three classes when you start very rogue legacy like. And it's just, it's very, very uh, roguelite y. And I just wish, I just wish, even though the controls feel all right, your combat is uh, attached to the triggers. So you have a regular attack, you have. You have your two attacks that are attached to the triggers and then special abilities that are attached to the bumpers. And it feels okay. It's just it's just a mess. It's just a visual mess. That's the problem with the game. It's just a visual mess. Then we have Anushard, which is another fucking rogue like light. I don't know. I don't know if you were upgrading character. But uh it has a nice visual styling, but it's incredibly talky. First hour. I maybe played five minutes of the game, gameplay-wise, and it just fucking talked the goddamn ear off, and I don't like that. People know I don't like that, but I, I really like the visual silence of it, and the, the, the gameplay overall feels pretty all right. The weird thing about it is that whenever you are attacking and doing actions in the gameplay bits, because you are a young girl who is... The chosen one, whatever the, the term is in, in the game. And you have to go into this area, this special zone where people go and they are looking to collect resources or something, but then they often never come back. And when they die, their soul is lost in that world. They are returned to our world. It's not our world, but our world in the sense of I'm the Anushard person, blah, 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 you know. Uh, they are returned to the world in the form of a stone statue of themselves. And in order to go and find them in this alternate world, you have to get a relic of them. Somebody has to give you some piece of them that is meaningful. You can use that to then jump through this portal to this other world and be transported to an area where their soul is resting, hiding, and then you can collect that soul, bring it back to the world, and unpetrify them, essentially. But, and you you have this power to do it and, and not be petrified by going in because you are the chosen one again. But ignoring all the, the talky bits, which is fucking talky, start. There is a weirdness in the combat and how you have to really, really commit to it. It feels weird in that when you are attacking you're basically locking in place and it it feels more it feels way more middle uh, like you have to commit than even in other games where you are very committing of your yourself like in loot river you had to commit to your your actions and it feels even more it just feels really really weird at first it's something you can't get used to and i got used to it pretty quickly 
it just did not feel super satisfying. It thankfully wasn't too challenging. And I, I like the look of it a lot. It has a very 90s-ish point-and-click adventure vibe to it. Nice bit of color as well. And I, I'll probably go back to it, maybe. Uh, the thing is, that I was streaming it, and when I'm playing the game for the first time, too, and, and doing the early bits, I do want to just let it play out in the way it's trying to play out. So if it's trying to deliver a lot of story, I am going to take all that in. I'm going to read it all. I'm going to play through it. I'm not going to skip it because I want to get a proper first impression of the game and, and what it's doling out and delivering to me. And so maybe when I go back to it, I'll just skip all that shit because the story, it's kind of interesting, but at the same time, I just think you need to better pace your story. I, I think games should never, ever, ever dump story on you like that. So much so that the whole majority of my first hour and change with it was just getting talked to all the time. I'm like, oh my God, let me fucking play your game. Especially early on. If you If you want to have story dumps a little later on, I'm not going to like that. I still think you should pace your story better. But at least let me get an idea of the game. Let me get an idea of the game in some significant fashion before you start fucking just throwing story at me. Because if I if I consume an hour, an hour and a half of story, and regardless of whether it interests me or not, I mean, even if it does, if I think it's a... So, so, the most interesting thing in the world. If I then find out when you put the game in my hands and let me play that I fucking hate your game and I hate the way it plays and feels, I'm going to be super annoyed that you made me sit through all this story and, and didn't let me try your game first. At least to some sense. Then we got our Arcade Ageddon, which is spelled Arcade Ageddon, but it's pronounced Arcade Ageddon. And this is a cooperative third-person shooter that feels and has some Fortnite-y vibes to it. It feels like a free-to-play game, for one, but it's a $30 premium game. And in order to unlock any cosmetics, you have to use a currency. There are two currencies you use when unlocking cosmetics, one of which is a paid-only currency. Don't like that. It at least seems like Early on with the cosmetics, you only have to spend five bucks to get a thousand of these shard things or whatever they are to spend on the cosmetics. But it could become a lot more problematic as you progress and get higher levels and are given access to more cosmetics that are maybe a bit more pricey. So I don't, I don't like that. And I don't like the fact that you don't even get any amount of these paid currency bits to unlock at least a few cosmetics in the very early ons of the game so that, you know, if you're playing online with other people, because you can't play it single player as well, but if you're playing online with other people, you don't want all y'all to look the same because you don't have any access to cosmetics unless you pay a premium price. You don't want that. 
So I don't like that about the game. And then the way it, it, it's set up is that <laughs> this game is also incredibly fucking talky, but it's way worse than Anishart in that the the dialogue and the writing is super cringeworthy and the kind of shit that I would expect the people of Portlandia or whatever. This is real hipster. We're so cool. We're, we're hip and cool fucking type of dialogue. It's the type of dialogue that if you... It's the type of dialogue that people who unironically say shit like YOLO out loud would fucking love and think is cool. Because these characters 100% are going to say YOLO and think it's fucking the coolest shit in the world. And maybe that works for you. Maybe that's fine with you. Maybe you are all about that. And you're like, yeah, YOLO, it's, it's fucking true, man. You only live once. Why am I going to say that out loud? Why am I not just going to say YOLO, bing bong, poggers, fuck your life. I mean, it's just, I hate this shit, man. And it was another case of if I wasn't streaming, if, if I didn't want to get a proper idea of a first impression of this thing, I would skip all this shit immediately. And it's the type of game where I don't even understand why they throw so much story at you. Because in the first hour of that game, I played it maybe for 10 minutes in that I did the tutorial and then a like trial type of mission it was a really it was a, a shorter version of what the main game is and the main game is you, you'll have your little overworld where you can upgrade your character and purchase shit like that purchase the cosmetics you have all these characters you can talk to who are part of different factions and they will give you missions and tasks to do on your runs which you will then get currency if you complete them which you can then use for certain things for upgrading your character and stuff like that or for cosmetics as, as the free currency you earn but you'll still need that premium currency that paid currency but it's a run-based cooperative third-person shooter where you're going through these areas and eventually you'll hit bosses it's all randomly generated so the levels while there's a lot of variety to them that was the most impressive thing about the game. I, I think visually, it's got a nice bit of style to it. And the environments, there was a lot of variety to it. But I may have I may have seen it all in my two-ish hours, two, three-ish hours with the game. And it may start to get all repetitive after that. I don't know. But they have a wide variety of levels. Some that are very simple and sterile feeling. You'll have very foresty green areas colorful lava areas it's just all the the types of areas you would expect they got them and you're jumping between them and it's it's nice to get that visual simulation right run. i like that the combat it's okay and that, that that's the problem gameplay wise the movement feels pretty good you got a nice slide pretty good slide and moving your character feels pretty good. But the gunplay does not feel great. It's okay and highly dependent on your weapon. So more precision-based weapons like sniper rifles feel like shit. But if you get a spread gun like a shotgun or some of the more automatic rifles, those can feel pretty good. 
and and guns that do a lot of damage that can one shot enemies those feel pretty all right i mean a sniper rifle would do that as well it's just the game feels it's kind of like fortnite in the sense that it's not bad it's just something you have to get used to and in a game where you're going to be doing the same thing over and over and over and over again i'd rather the gameplay be exceptional 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 as opposed to just okay i don't want to get used to it i want to love it i want to love the gameplay since i'm going to be doing the same thing over and over and over again and it is clearly designed for cooperative play because stuff doesn't scale or single player but i i got through a certain uh, amount of it I, I beat one boss by myself and the boss fight that i had because i got to a boss died was pretty much destroyed and i had a free continue so i took the continue when i got to the boss again it was a different boss so even that was random in my playthrough you're not locked in during your playthrough it's not like you're, you're doing a seed type of thing it's just always random it's always random which leads to while yes visually interesting and colorful levels not particularly well designed levels and each level is basically broken up into either defend a spot or destroy these specific objects in the world so that you can move on to the next area. And you're just doing that over and over again against what seemed to be a small selection of enemy types. But when I fought the boss, the first time I got destroyed, I'm like, oh shit, man. I just, that sucked. And it was because my weapon sucked. But when I continued and got my randomly generated level between this and the boss fight, I managed to find some better guns, including a minigun, which just destroyed my second attempt at the boss. I, I beat that boss within seconds. And that is a case of... It's where RNG shows its ugly side in that when a game is so reliant on RNG, when it utilizes it for so many aspects of it, and it's something that is prevalent in the level design, in the weapon layout, placement, etc., your store items, all that jazz, it means that a run could be a wash from the very beginning just because you're going to end up with dog shit on all fronts in all ways. You may be given a bunch of levels that are just extra annoying and poorly designed because of the way they're randomly generated. And the guns, because you, you only have a pistol and bat to start off with. But as you unlock more levels, as you, as you level up and unlock more stuff, you'll be able to change your starting weapons. But you also find weapons um, smashing objects in the environment or by purchasing them in the stores between areas where you can get those uh, other weapons or heal yourself. There are healing stations in levels as well, which is important. because you, you do have regenerating shields, but if you let those go down and then take damage to your health, that won't regenerate without spending some of your run-based currency 
on them. But just the fact that so much RNG is involved could lead to an unsatisfying experience. There's also adversarial PvP multiplayer. And I don't know if there are any traditional deathmatch type modes, but the ones I was thrown in, the mode I was thrown into was much more akin to something like Fall Guys. And the mode that I played was very Fall Guys-ish because I think there is a Fall Guys type of stage in this vein where me and I think it was just two other people, we were on a top layer and we could shoot the ground to make pieces fall off. And we're trying to be the first or the, the last person to fall all the way to the bottom. So you're trying to get the other players to fall to the bottom while staying as high and on the higher levels as you can. And I didn't think that was particularly fun. So I got out of that pretty quickly. But uh, yeah, that's okay to get in. Then last but not least is Matchpoint Tennis Championships, which is a tennis game that has solid gameplay with a bit of a learning curve. It is a very technical thing. It even says, you know, this is this is the the best tennis sim out there right now or something along those lines. And that is very true in that it's it's not a casual friendly tennis game. But I think you can get a grasp of all the intricities of the gameplay pretty fast. And I say that because when I played it and, and streamed it, I got destroyed. I don't even know if I won many points at all in uh, my first game. But then in my second one, I destroyed it. I just I cleaned them up. I swept them. I won everything. And I, I do, the thing is, the AI, I, I had to drop it down to baby mode because the AI can be incredibly brutal. Even on baby mode, it can be challenging. And it's, it's because it's just, the, the AI is good. The AI is good. But the game itself seems to be very gameplay driven in that I, I, I did not mess around with the career mode yet, but visually, the characters don't look that great. The physics are really nice. And the way everything moves, the way characters move, and and all that is really, really good. And that, that's great. That, that's more important because you're not going to see the characters really unless you're looking at them in uh, instant replay or at the beginning and between sets and, and, and all that jazz. But the, the character selection as well, it could just be that I don't know shit about tennis players anymore, so I would... I, I didn't recognize any of these people. And even the one I did recognize who was in the finals against Dushbagovich, he does not look anything like he does in real life. And I did not know it was him until somebody pointed out that that's the dude who was in the, the finals. I was like, what? He's in this he's in this game? Let me wait. I did not see that guy. And then I looked at his character model. I'm like, this does not look anything like him. But it's Probably, gameplay-wise, I think it is the the tennis game I'm most interested in diving deeper into. But I think is it eh, there, there's also AO tennis and then tennis world tour or something. I think maybe AO tennis is the one that 
feels the most casual friendly, but I'm not entirely sure. But Matchboy Tennis Championships, it feels really, really good when you start to get a handle for the complexities of everything. But it can be really, really challenging. And when I played somebody else online, it seems like there's very easy ways to cheese the system and stuff. It, it It's something I need to put more time into. But it is on Game Pass if you have an Xbox. So you can just try it out there. But, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, that's going to do it. Because uh, this is all a uh, work in progress. Flying at the seat of my pants. Or whatever that fucking saying is. So, I went into this, and I was like, I'm just going to I'm gonna record this now. I don't have a, a plan. I don't know exactly what I'm going to talk about. I have some games listed here, and then I just talked about all of them, and some of them, they're so far removed from when I did last play them. And I think, moving forward, I wouldn't want to talk about so many games on one episode, but since I haven't had, I mean, this is the first episode in such a long time, it's not like I've had previous episodes to talk about shit. So hopefully, hopefully people overall enjoy this. So yeah. Anywho, uh, the, that, that, that's it. And that's all everyone. So, uh, uh, once again, I am Marcus Ness. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX sausage. If you'd like to find, uh, I, I'm like, how should I do the, the outro for this? All my links of import, I'll just do the same type of shit, man. All my links of import are over at pixelatedsausage.com slash PXS. And of course, pixelatedsausage.com is my site. But pixelatedsausage.com slash PXS will give you my little thing of all the links of import. The YouTubes, all that jazz. YouTube.com slash pixelatedsausage, which is where you're possibly watching this video right now. Do like, subscribe, hit the bell, and all that jazz if you haven't already. I hope you enjoy the video version. If you are watching that, uh, if nothing else, the chapter thing should be nice, I'd say. And, uh, yeah. If you do like any of the stuff I do, you can go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support me and my nonsense that away. And, of course, I'm streaming on the YouTubes now, so hi there. You can watch me streaming right here as well. Buddy. And the, the, the archives are available in a playlist. Unlisted, but in the playlist. So they won't show up in the regular video feed. But just check out the playlist if you miss streams live and would like to see them and whatnot. And you might be able to get a better idea of some of the games I've talked about here by checking out the stream archives. So I think that that'll be a good, nice... I think that'll be a nice little uh, a partnership with the podcast. Is you have these things where I'm talking about stuff, and then you'll be able to go back and check out the archives of streams where I'm playing through the games, and you'll be able to see my thoughts in the moment, but also get an idea of the game itself and what they're like from the, the start and, and shit like that. So, uh, yeah. That, I think, is it, it, it. So, again, thank you very much for being on this ride with me, this journey, this hopeful uh, new thing moving forward. I don't know what the normal release date for this is going to be because I'm, I'm probably going to put this up today. I'm recording it on Wednesday, July 
20th. I think it's the 20th. Let me check my one. I, I need to turn the light on. Yes, it is July 20th. Uh, I'm very, I'm very James Bondy right here. Look at this. Ooh, ooh, uh. But uh, yeah, Wednesday might be the regular release date. Or it could be Thursday. Maybe Thursday. Maybe Thursday. I'm just trying to think of the way. No, Wednesday. <laughs> oh, fuck it. Who knows, man? We don't know. Wednesday seems like a, you know, you can get all hump day. Hump yourself with this, this show. But uh, that is it. That is all. Thank you again so very, very much. I hope y'all enjoy this. So, uh, yeah. Whether you are watching or listening. How do I end these goddamn things? Uh, yeah. So, uh, that is, you know, Patreon.com slash PXS. Anyway, that will do it once again. So, thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Oh, bye. Let me look at this thing. Ooh, because oh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna end it with a fantam thing. That that's how the podcast is just gonna end. The show is just gonna end. The same thing way I end the the the. <laughs> Bye. Okay, just shut up, Mark. Okay, thank you again. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Wonderful rest of your week. See you back here. Hopefully, if this turns out well, in another week. All right. Bye.